Hi, I'm Ted Wolf. Welcome to the School of Biz podcast, powered by Guidewise, the world's most engaged business community. Hi, I'm Ted Wolf, and I'd like to welcome you to the School of Biz podcast, powered by Guidewise, where we guide entrepreneurs and business leaders in achieving elite levels of performance. And today, my guest is Mike Lease. Mike Lease is in Moorestown, New Jersey. Mike has a JD and a CPA. And Mike, I'd like to talk you to tell us a little bit about your education. Where'd you go to school and what, what led you to get into the profession you're in? Sure. So I went to undergraduate. I went to Gettysburg College. Mm-hmm. Uh, law school was Widener in Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. And then I received my LLM from Villanova Law. Okay, great. Great. Yes. And um, you are now in private practice. Did you start out in private practice? Or tell me a little bit about how you got your start in business. Sure. So I started out in uh, public accounting. I worked for uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, so I worked for them prior to going to law school. Mm-hmm. And then after three years, I felt a niche for law school, went to law school, felt a calling back to the accounting uh, tax field, mm-hmm. and then went and worked for a uh, large regional firm in uh, Philadelphia for over 10 years. Okay. And what gave you the impetus the catalyst to say, I'm ready to go out on my own. What happened? So it it was really a quality of life decision. Um, And I'll credit that to my children. It was during tax season, I would come home and they were like, how come we don't see daddy anymore? And that hurt. I was like, wow. You know, I was Mm -hmm. working, leaving the house 6 a.m., not coming back till midnight and rinse and repeat for a three-month period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my kids were very young. I wanted to spend time with them. So that was really the um, catalyst to uh, start me thinking about maybe I should go on my own. So take us back if you can. You had the catalyst. You saw the need. What put you over the edge and said, say, I'm going to do this now? I had some people reach out that I had been associated with and they said, hey, if you you do this, we'll come. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be I'll, I'll be your client. And just having those first few people to say. Hey, if, if you're going to do this, uh, we're going to, you know, uh, sign up with you. Mm-hmm. That was it. That took me over that over the ledge and I jumped. Okay. So how many clients did you start out with? So started off with first year, probably 15 and then grow. Okay. Wow. That's so, great. Yeah. Okay. And tell me what, what's the market focus? What size company do you work with generally? So you, generally it's small to midsize. I, I work with uh, the individuals as well. And it's funny, people ask, Hey, I want to refer you, you know, who should I refer you? And I said, really, I just like nice people, Mm -hmm. nice businesses, people who, you know, can appreciate my work. I can appreciate their work, but generally are just fun to work with, nice to work with. And, uh, you know, it seems to be a good, uh, formula. Okay. So what problems do you solve for your clients? So a lot, a lot of clients that I get initially are IRS issues. So they've had some kind of IRS issue. I've done probably every four years I do an IRS criminal case, Mm. uh, something you don't want to have to (laughs) be involved with. Um, But a lot of times it's, uh, you know, they're also coming from a tax preparer who's not helping them plan and they need somebody a little more sophisticated. And then it's the client that's growing that says, hey, I also might need a, you know, a, a CFO and 
you know, I outsource CFO services so that they don't have to hire a full-time CFO. Most companies don't need that, the mm -hmm. small to uh, mid-size range. And they want somebody to come in who can not only focus on the business, but also the tax aspect of it. Okay. Okay. So you had the impetus, you saw the need, you decided to make the move. You had about oh, 15 clients or so that were going to get you started. What was the emotional experience like when you finally said, I'm moving that 30 inches from being an employee to the other side of the desk of being an employer, self-employed, solo practitioner, right. where you knew, okay, I eat what I kill, so I got to go out and make something happen now. What were the right. emotions and what was the emotional experience like? So it was very scary. You know, you're, you're used to, as you said, you're used to making a salary, then all of a mm -hmm. sudden you go from salary to nothing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have savings, but you don't want to dip into the savings as much. And it, it, it's scary, but that scaredness motivates you to work harder. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, cash flow is king. So if you're not getting money in and you're only putting money out, it's, it's not good. And it really kind of gets you to a point where, all right, if I'm going to make this work, I got to work 10 times harder than I was. But then you realize if I'm doing this and it's working, the money's going to come to me. Yeah. But yeah. still scary. I mean, the first, I'd say four or five years, it's even because I had a big client, they ended up getting bought. And so then they went, the new company formed and they went with their old accountant. So it's things like that, that you're, you know, you have to worry about saying, okay, you know, you can't have all your eggs in one basket. And until you're at a certain level, you, you, you have to be hungry. If not, yeah. you know, you just don't know when you're going to be able to eat. So take yourself back in time and when you found out that client was being bought and you were going to lose one of your primary key accounts, how'd right. you feel and how did that change your behaviors? So I felt scared, mm -hmm. you know, going, wow, you know, <laughs> three kids, wife, you know, what am I going to do? And I said, all right, you know, and it's funny, I still maintain the individuals, which was mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of got me focusing on, all right, what else can I offer? And, you know, that's where the CFO services came in. Okay. And I had other clients who were starting to grow and it was just kind of reaching out to them and saying, you know, hey, if, if you need more, let me know. And they were very receptive saying, mm -hmm. actually, we do. We, you know, we only have a bookkeeper. We only have, uh, you know, one accountant and I can't analyze everything. Yeah. So basically what happened was you lost the key account and you broadened your product offerings. Exactly. And I always like the heartbreak rage, you adapt, you improvise, you overcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You make something happen regardless. So what are some of the common problems that you see today in that target business market of small, mid-sized companies um, within your geography or within your client right. base? So I think the two biggest things always cash, cash flows, accounts receivable. And if, you know, as the owners, as the business is running, if, if you're not really paying attention to your cash, it could really be a pitfall. Mm -hmm. um, the other biggest item I see, and it's more for those smaller getting to bigger businesses, is delegation, where you have that one primary owner and he wants to grow, but he's not willing to dedicate uh, delegate. And they yeah. can't be everywhere. They can't control everything. And getting them to kind of release some of the reins is very difficult at times. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you raised two great topics right there. 
We're in a time of inflation. We haven't had inflation like this for 40 years, which means for all practical purposes, this is brand new to business owners, managers, leaders in that small, mid-sized companies. And I, I include mid-sized companies like an SBE up to $100 million, actually. They're mid-sized. Right. So how do you manage a business differently? We came from a cycle of stable prices for a long time. Now, all of a sudden, we got inflation. What's the priority and focus today versus what it was even two years ago? Well, it's really looking at that gross profit margin, which is going to be your revenue less your cost of goods sold. So as inflation comes up and those costs of goods sold increase, you have two issues. Number one, the price increase, but also the timing of what is available. And that's I've seen a lot of clients be affected uh, by that where I can't get certain things that they need in order to operate. Mm -hmm. um, and really, it's then it's the cost of goods sold. And then it's it's the change of, of their price. Uh, I'll give you a great example. I have a, a real small client. He is a uh, owns a restaurant and he does sushi. Well, the price of fish, mm -hmm. everything is skyrocketed. He hasn't increased yep. his, his prices accordingly. And mm -hmm. he's getting squeezed out. So it's going over, it's it's projecting, it's really letting him know I you can't survive, even though you want to please your clients, you can't survive under this model. So you have to change. And mm -hmm. that, you know, it's tough. So how do you walk him through that change? How do you how do you explain what he needs to do in order to implement that change? So you really show him the numbers. Here's where you were three years ago. Here's where you are now. Look at your cost of goods. They're up 25%, 30%, and you've increased your sales 5%. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's, it's just where they can actually visualize it, truly see it, helps. Okay. So as an outsider, you saying something to them objectively, I'm sure they're going to take it more seriously, but they still have to get over that emotional change and disruption in their life. Probably a fear of saying, I can't double my prices. Nobody's going to buy. How do they get through that? So, and that's, that you nailed it on the head. That's exactly how they feel. I can't do this. I've, I'm loyal to my customers. And it's, it's twofold. Number one, it's what can you do to survive through this? And if you think that this is the model you want to do, you need to keep and survive, even though you're making less of a profit, then you can do it. But what I tell them too is, hey, you got to look at what your competitors are doing. Mm -hmm. And if the competitors are increasing their prices, you know, th there's no issue with you doing the same. Right, right. So let's go to the second aspect that you mentioned, delegation. Right. We're in a period of the great resignation where a lot of people are resigning. How does somebody delegate knowing people are going to be resigning and there's that element of trust in delegating because if you're a small, mid-sized business, it's particularly if you started the business, that's your baby. Right. You're going to turn that over to a quote unquote person who is going to oversee and babysit that business for you. How are they having and why are they having that difficulty in turning over and trusting other responsibilities that they can no longer fulfill to another person? Right. Well, first they think nobody can do it as well as good as them. Nobody's going to learn it as good as them. Uh, you know, that's the first mm -hmm. threshold getting over. Hey, if you train them right, they can do it. And what I tell all the business owners is 
you still have to control and maintain the cash and bank statements and financials because that will tell you everything. Mm-hmm. You think if somebody's not doing a good job, let's look at the numbers and then you could tell. It's also helps with any fraud, anything like that, where they could see everything. Cause that's one of the biggest things is if I give them this much responsibility, how do I know, you know, they're, they're honest or this. And again, it's all with, with the bank statements. It's all with keeping control of cash. The other thing too, it's really retaining those good employees that you want. Mm-hmm. And what I suggest, if, if there's a guy who you can't operate without, or person, I should say, you can't operate without, you start talking about, you know, ownership shares, having them vest over a certain period, um, and even non-ownership shares, but vesting rights and profit, again, over a certain amount of period, a uh, certain year. So in other words, you could say, this employee is great. I want them to grow with me. I don't want them leaving anywhere. And they might get you might offer them five, six, seven percent profit that they can't get until three or four mm-hmm. years down mm-hmm. the road. So at least mm-hmm. you have in three or four years, you're incentivizing them to stay. Um, and, and they're now they're sort of an owner and it's much easier to delegate when somebody's in there with you. They understand cutting costs. They understand they're going to act like an owner like you are. Mm-hmm. And that's yet another big fear uh, of people that they're not going to look out for the things that I would look out for as an owner. The risk of doing business today in the client base that you're addressing, how do you see them managing that risk? Are they really in a fear of losing everything? Is the change and disruption that's coming at them since COVID started, inflation and everything, too fast and furious? Um, what do they see the end point being? So it really all depends what industry they're in. Uh, I I thought during COVID, it's funny, as bad as things were, there were so many opportunities for people who really wanted to hustle could really make a lot of money. And some of my clients Mm. did that. They offered services. They were out there. They were really grinding. Uh, You know, the construction companies, for example, the remodeling, everybody had time. Mm -hmm. Everybody was home. They were getting it done. And these clients were hustling. They were, they were doing it. The, the other clients, like, you know, the restaurants uh, and things that, that were closed that, you know, really had to reevaluate and say, you know, is is this going to survive and what do we need to do to survive? Um, again, is it worth it surviving? You have the employee issue. Can they get employees uh, and mm-hmm. keep them? So, uh, again, it came back t- to me, if you wanted to work hard, you're going to survive. And I think that's what kind of got people there going, you know what? The restaurant eat in, nobody's eating in. Let's really focus on our catering and our takeout. Mm -hmm. Let's make this a new priority. They started uh, going with different companies that would do the free delivery. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it was just really adapt uh, and decide whether, you know, this is where you want to be or, or, or not. And uh, you know, move from there. But there was definitely stress, I think, on the majority of my clients. And it really was on the accounts receivable side. Okay. You know, are they okay. going to get paid? And this was from the larger companies. Are they going to get paid? Is this company going to survive? Yeah. Um, and it put up definitely a lot of stress. Yeah. So how are they managing through that stress? And how are you helping them manage through that stress? So one of the things was, you know, PPP loans, uh, 
the EIDL loans, SBA loans, yep. the employee retention credits. That was one way to help. And really, I, I tell people ever since COVID started, I've been nonstop busy with people doing uh, with clients with the PPP, helping them there, the employee retention credits, everything. So that's been a great help um, for, I think, all my clients. And yeah. it's funny, I'll, I'll get asked similar questions that you're asking by other clients. And I'm saying, hey, my clients over here are doing great. Here's what they're doing. And it's, again, it's looking for other ways to reach out to their current clients or potential clients, Mm -hmm. changing a little bit of the way they do business. Um, And, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and now too, with the employees, most of them working from home and freeing up the office space, that's been a big change. Yeah. So in effect, what you're describing is you're becoming a trusted advisor to them. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Yeah, They're going to listen to you and take your advice so in effect, you become a safe harbor for them in times of a lot of uncertainty, fear, doubt about the business going forward. How do we do this? How do you manage that once that insight comes to you that I'm really a trusted advisor, I got to give them good information? Right. So it's really, it's uh, I have a great network uh, of attorneys other CPAs that I've worked with. And it's funny, we'll talk, we'll call each other. I, I try to tell clients, hey, listen, I'm not 100% positive. Here's what I think it is. Let me get back to you. And I have a great core that we kind of discuss issues, discuss uh, different topics, uh, different scenarios going on and and, and getting back. Because the big thing is I want to give my clients the right answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to toot myself here, but what I do with my clients too generally is I do like a flat fee. So I charge them for whatever service or it's a monthly service. So I don't charge them for calling me, asking me questions for emails, things like yep. that. Yep. Because I think that really opens up the conversations and they're much more willing to call me. No, not I'm not going to ding them, Yeah. you know, for a bill. And so yeah. it really opens up. And to be honest, that trusted advisor comes into play because I'd say 95% of all my business increases referrals. Yeah. Well, that's great. That says a lot about you. So what's coming next, Mike? A recession? That's the way it's looking right now. Um, And and trying to get prepared for that. Uh, You know, I have a lot of real estate agents and small real estate companies. And, you know, they're all talking. It's there's no inventory. Mortgages are going up. They're they're trying to work right now and, you know, get whatever they can. and the market's certainly looking like it's going to hit a recession. So people are starting to, you know, prepare in the sense of savings. They're really harping on getting those receivables collected, yeah. not, uh, yeah. you know, switching things to an easier payment. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe those factoring companies could could be working yep. uh, overtime yeah. coming soon. Yeah. So. We come from a business cycle of stable pricings before COVID. Your wages were stable. You didn't have to ask for price increases basically for years. Um, Looking back on those days, it looks pretty easy. So all of a sudden, COVID starts, supply chains get disrupted. The Ukraine war takes place. Two years later, we're looking at it and saying, we're working from home. We're trying to bring employees back. We're having problems doing that. There's so much change and disruption that is hit. And now I have to deal with inflation. 
And that business cycle of inflation changed the rules from stable pricing. Now I got to worry about cash flow, not just profits, but cash flow and good paying clients. If we go into another business cycle now, quickly, of a recession, what's the focus and the priority of a business owner and a business leader? So I, I think it's taking care of your clients is, is going to be the first. Uh, and again, ensuring all your aspects you just said, your cash flow, you got to make sure your pipeline is there. So if you're in any kind of sales field, any kind of a recurring business, you got to make sure that you're working that sales pipeline so that business is coming in with good clients that are going to pay. Uh, hopefully, the uh, employee cycle will uh, flatten out. And right now, everybody's looking for bigger, higher paying jobs and they're getting offers and they're turning down offers because they're getting more money elsewhere. And that's affected probably my my bigger clients as far as getting employees. And hopefully that will ease up and that will be one last strain where they can really start focusing on everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find also, I know in my own experience of building businesses in the past and uh, being an entrepreneur, you got to really focus on that cost structure. You got to have a rainy day fund with some savings or a line of credit. So therefore, you have to have good financial statements, cash flow requirements, profit and loss balance sheet, no matter what size you are, so you can become a viable, believable, trustworthy business entity to banks and lenders. And that's where you come into play as a trusted advisor to give that guidance. But then you got to start really managing those costs. And that becomes the tricky type rope that we may be moving into right now as a recession, which means really in two years, people are going to get their MBAs in running a business because of these changing business cycles. So, yep. So, so let's say that I want to start a business. I got that I got that urge and that drive. I'm just not going to be happy until I move from one side of the desk of an employee to become the employer on the other side of the desk. What advice would you give to someone who finds themselves wanting to start their own business today? What advice would you give them? I I would say talk to other people in that same industry just to get a feel okay. of how long did it take them because it changes it's different in every industry to get from scary to stable and whatever they say you got to add more time to it, it it's like forecast they never actually you know I've, I've never seen a forecast that actually met its actual numbers mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, and depending on what it is, it, to the extent that you can line things up without violating any, you know, employment terms or anything like that, line things up so that when you're ready to take that leap, you have some clients or work already to be done will help mm-hmm. out. Uh, you know, cash flow is king when you're first starting out. And so right. managing cash flow costs, you know, whatever you can do to minimize costs. And to the extent I tell people, if you can operate out of your house to begin with, to cut costs, do it. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I know here's a quick example of an entrepreneur who's a client of mine, started a business, had a two-car garage, put a wall down between the two garage bays. One bay was for a car, one bay, his wife's car, one bay was for him and his business. 
And he got a phone call one day that uh, the um, they were in a construction business. The employees, two of them, had an accident and the truck was demolished. He went out to help them unload the truck materials and found that one of his employees was arrested and was being put in handcuffs into a police car. So he found out what the problem was. He said, what did I do? I went down and bailed him out because I needed him to work the next day to generate revenue. So you got you to gotta do what you got to do to Absolutely. basically generate some revenue. So, <clears throat> okay, an individual wants to start a business. He's got to be able to have that emotional fortitude to see his way through difficulty. How can you as a trusted advisor help him the most? Is it by introducing him to other trusted advisors? Is it just building confidence? Is it that you have many other clients that you can reflect on their experiences and help guide him through that? How can you best help them? So really, it's a it's a bunch of different things. It's, again, depending on what business they're going into. But, you know, I have a network of clients who have a network of associates. So it's and I always like to work in-house with my clients. If I can refer one client to another client, you know, I love doing yeah. that. Uh, so to the extent I can help with any clients, that's one way. Uh, you know, helping them start from the very beginning, setting up the, the company the right way, you know, is step number one mm-hmm. to make sure that's on the right foot. You know, whatever guidance, back office support I can provide. I don't do bookkeeping or anything like that, but I can certainly, if, if they need, you know, get them to somebody who can uh, to kind of make their life a little easier. And, you know, the benefit I think I've had just in the 25 plus years of doing accounting is I've got to see a lot of different businesses and I've got to see things that have worked and have not worked. And so when they're talking about, hey, I want to do this, I could go and say, well, I had a client do that, you know, four years ago and it was not a good scenario. This is why this is what you need to look out for. Um, And, you know, that's hit or miss. So, you know, I've either had that experience or not. But just for, you know, just guidance, Mm -hmm. however I can offer it and Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. the support. But again, it's, you know, being there letting them know, Hey, I'm with you. I'm behind you. And, uh, whatever support I can offer. Yeah. Okay. So in closing, some key points that we talked about in developing elite performance today is Mike, you focus and you've got great experience, uh, solo practitioner in that small, medium sized business. Some of the things that really you need to do to get through the good and bad times is surround yourself with trusted advisors, people who've been there, people who can give you guidance to get through, protect your cash flow, make sure you've got good paying clients right now, delegate to people, and in some way tie them into the interests of the business over time so you will not experience what I'll call that great resignation effect that we're all dealing with right now. And you really need to keep focused on your client and proper pricing today. If you can't increase your prices appropriately, you're going to run into a cash flow squeeze. It's going to be very difficult, particularly if we run into a recessionary environment. And obviously, you got to learn personal development. What do I need to do to manage all the emotional change, uncertainty, fear, doubt that I have to be dealing with? So again, I'd like to thank you, Mike, Mike Lease, uh, for being my guest today. 
And uh, I think that you have a very good client base that you're working with and a positive future because there is a lot of change and disruption coming in the future. And people like you are going to be necessary to help other entrepreneurs get through those cycles. So, Michael, thank you very, very much. It's Mike Lease, Morristown, New Jersey, CPA, JD, working with small, mid-sized businesses. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you very much, Ted. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the School of Biz podcast. For more information, please visit theschoolof.biz. And to learn more about how to join the world's most engaged business community, please visit guidewise.biz.